home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. My name is Doug, and I swear that this is going to be the year that I finally get something done around here. We've been working hard to knock down our debts because we have a couple of major purchases coming up, and I really hope that this will be the year that we are able to make them. Our furnace is on borrowed time. The last time we had it inspected, the technician told us that if it were to go kaput, we would have a problem finding parts for it. So we should plan on replacing it soon. How soon is soon? Who knows, but at its age, it could go kaput at any time. And I would rather it be a planned purchase than an emergency one. And then there's the insulation. I want to have the garage ceiling spray foam so I can have a climate-controlled workshop. Speaking of which, when we have the furnace replaced, I also want to have a gas line run to the garage at the same time, and ideally a garage heater installed if... budget allows. So, you know, add that to the total cost. But getting back to the insulation, because there is a minimum charge for the spray foam, we are also going to have our basement insulated as well. And that will allow me to finish the basement. And finishing the basement will allow me to get our stuff out of storage. We are coming up on 13 years of having that storage unit. Not only will we save a couple hundred dollars per month, but it will also give us the opportunity to figure out exactly what we have. And I have a feeling that most of what we've been paying to store all these years will end up being sold or donated. So, new furnace, insulation, finishing the basement, these are all significant expenses. Needless to say, the last thing I want to do right now is to finance a new, or at least new to us, minivan to replace our aging grand caravan. Now, before you snicker, I will gently remind you that with the stow-and-go seats folded into the floor, I can lay full 4x8 sheets of drywall or plywood in the back of the van with the liftgate closed, which is very practical for DIYing. And with the seats up, we have seven-passenger seating, which is very practical when we are transporting the in-laws. Our minivan has served us well, but it is at the point where it's costing us more and more in repairs. The question is, do we keep throwing money at this thing, or do we use that money towards financing a new one? Well, I have given that a lot of thought with each repair bill. But as long as the repair costs are less than what it would cost to finance a new van, we're going to do what it takes to keep this one on the road for as long as possible. Anyway, back in the summer of 2019, we were visiting my wife's folks who live 10 hours away. And during that visit, we all piled into the van, the in-laws and us, and drove an hour and a half to visit my wife's aunt and uncle. It was a nice visit, and it was after 6 o'clock when we left. And as we turned onto the highway, the exhaust dropped. 
Now remember, it's after 6 o'clock. This was on a Saturday night, outside of a small town where everything shuts down at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. Fortunately, we were able to call a tow truck, thank goodness for cell phones, but nothing was open. There was nowhere to take the van. So the driver lifted the van, crawled underneath, and temporarily secured the rusted pipe with some coat hangers. It wasn't the best fix, but at least it got us back on the road. Monday morning, before we hit the road to return home, we went to an international chain muffler shop, where they replaced the rotted section with new pipe. I thought that we were all set. But after only a few miles of driving, the exhaust was making way too much noise. At that point, we could have turned around and gone back to the shop, but when we left the shop, it was getting pretty busy, and, you know, we just didn't want to have to wait around for a few more hours. So we decided to continue on our way and have the exhaust checked out once we got home. A few days later, I took it to a local repair shop, and they determined that the reason for the noise was a bad welding job. But they said that we also needed a whole new exhaust system, and they quoted me a number that I wasn't quite ready for. I told them, I just don't want to spend that much on the van given its age. Could you do a repair that would allow me to squeeze maybe another couple of years out of it? Well, the muffler definitely needed to be replaced. And that repair would also include replacing the section of pipe that had been badly welded. So, okay, $300 versus $800. That was a win as far as I was concerned. Until last year, when I noticed the exhaust was hanging lower than what it should have been. Obviously, a hanger had rusted through and needed to be replaced. So I took the van back to that shop, and I expected them just to replace the broken hanger and maybe any others that they thought needed replacing. Instead, they come back at me with an estimate for a new resonator. I'd been hoping that that was going to last a couple more years, but, you know, no such luck. So new resonator. Fast forward a couple more weeks. The exhaust is starting to make a lot of noise. So I take it back again, half expecting it to be just another bad weld. Nope. This time it was the flex pipe. So basically, I ended up replacing the entire exhaust system, only it was done one piece at a time. And each time was a couple of hours out of my day. Each time was a labor charge that probably would have been less if I'd had everything done at the same time. I know that I have paid more than the original estimate. But here's the part that makes me a little sick to my stomach. Because I didn't think it was worth the investment. I chose not to go with higher-end parts. I don't need the exhaust to last five years if I'm only keeping the van for three. That was my thinking. But here's the thing. 
the exhaust system that I was replacing was not the original exhaust. In fact, I replaced the exhaust three or four years earlier at the dealership. And I had opted for the less expensive parts then too, because I was only expecting to keep the van for another year or two. But here we are. So, based on the fact that that exhaust only lasted a few years, I'm assuming that I can only realistically expect a few years out of this one. But at this point, right now, with the furnace and the insulation and all that stuff, I don't know if it's realistic to expect that we will be in a position to replace this van in the next three or four years. So the lesson here is the original exhaust lasted about eight years. If we replaced it with OEM parts, original equipment, we might have been good for another eight years. Instead, we went the budget route and we had to replace the exhaust again a few years later. Instead of paying a little more for an exhaust system that would have lasted twice as long, we paid for two cheaper systems, which has cost us quite a bit more. And to save even more money this time around, I only replaced what needed to be replaced. But within a year, I ended up replacing the entire system anyway. The cheap comes out expensive. If you have ever watched The People's Court, you will recognize that as one of Judge Marilyn Millian's favorite adages. Not that I watch The People's Court, mind you. My wife watches it. I just sometimes happen to be in the room at the same time. But yeah, look, my wife handles the remote, okay? So don't judge me. (laughs) See what I did there. The cheap comes out expensive. When you try to cut corners to save a buck, it usually ends up costing you more money. Often, it is better to spend more money up front to do the job right in the first place. After my father died, I got the house ready to sell. There was a bit of a water issue in the basement, so I had the waterproofing membrane installed along the front of the house, and that messed up the landscaping. I called one landscaping company, but they wouldn't even give me a price because it would be a couple of months before they were able to do it. And I was looking at putting the house on the market ASAP. So I ended up asking the handyman down the street. Now this guy had done a lot of work for my dad over the several years after my mom had passed away. And my father had been very good to him and his family. So I thought maybe some goodwill would carry over to me. Plus, you know, neighbor. The friends and family discount extends to neighbors too, doesn't it? I was just looking for some topsoil and some plants for a bit of curb appeal, and he came back with an estimate that I thought was pretty steep. And I only had that one estimate with nothing to compare it to, so I asked my friend for his opinion. And he told me that his brother was good at that sort of thing. So, I mean, you know, we'd all known each other since we were kids. So my friend's brother offered to help me out as a favor so I could save some money. And, you know, that sounded pretty good to me. Well, 
We worked at this project for a few hours a day for about a week. There were multiple trips to the garden center for plants and sod. There was delivery of topsoil, and there was the rental of a rototiller. And even though he insisted he did not expect anything in return, I did want to pay him something for his time. So I paid him what I thought was a pretty fair hourly rate, even though I'm kind of guessing at the number of hours we actually worked. So, after all the purchases and the rentals and giving my friend's brother a little something for his time, I spent almost as much as I would have if I just hired the neighborhood handyman in the first place. And here's the kicker. That doesn't even take into account my own labor. So, I saved nothing and I had to invest my own time and labor. The cheap comes out expensive. Of course, I suppose I could have taken advantage of the free labor and just offered my friend's brother a gift card for a steakhouse or something like that. That would have saved me some money. But it just goes to show that the handyman's estimate was not that steep after all. When you DIY, do you do it to save money? If that's your primary motivation, have you ever considered how much your time is worth? How much are you really saving? I have talked about this before. I took a personal day when I was working on the basement in my first house. I think I was doing some framing or hanging drywall or something. And my neighbor's friend asked me why I didn't just hire someone who could have done the job for about 15 or 20 bucks an hour when I was giving up $25 an hour by not working. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Of course, whatever I was doing at home was more enjoyable than what I would have been doing at work, but it wasn't saving me any money. Really, looking at it a different way, I was essentially paying $25 an hour for me to hang my own drywall, but I never got paid. The cheap comes out expensive. Another way the cheap comes out expensive is cutting corners, either by buying cheap materials or hiring the cheapest labor. When you buy cheap materials, it doesn't matter how well they are installed. If the materials are lower quality, they are just not going to last. And you can buy the most expensive materials. But if you cut corners on the installation, either by hiring the wrong contractor or by doing it yourself to try to save a buck if you don't have the experience, those materials can end up damaged or otherwise compromised. An experienced contractor also knows how to measure to minimize waste. Someone who is not so experienced may waste more material which can cost you more money, especially if you're paying for materials separately. And if the contractor finds that the waste is affecting his bottom line, he's going to do one of two things. One is to become more accurate with his measurements and calculations, but of course that takes time and experience. The other, in the short term, on your job, is to cut his losses by cutting corners somewhere else. Picking up material on clearance can save you big money. I bought flooring for one of our bedrooms on clearance. 
But I knew that it was going to be a while before I actually laid the floor. And there was no guarantee that there would be any of that floor still available if I made any mistakes or there was any damaged material. So I made sure that I bought an extra case or two. Normally, I would have been able to return the extra material for a refund, but because it was on clearance, there were no refunds. So now I have an extra case and a half of material. Now, I guess it could have been worse. What if I needed another case and it was completely sold out? Then what, huh? Huh? What then? Getting back to this idea of cutting corners, I would like to share something that happened to a guy that I went to high school with. Last year, he posted on his Facebook, Thank you to my neighbor for calling the building inspector for my new deck. I now need a permit and have to change my step height. You effing suck. So, there's a couple of things to unpack here. First of all, my reaction is, Why is he blaming his neighbor for something that was clearly his own fault? He did not get a permit. He needed the permit, whether his neighbor ratted him out or not. And his steps were not up to code. But when I read the comments on his post, everyone was blaming the neighbor. People need to mind their own business. Your neighbor sucks. Sorry you had to go through this. This situation ties into two topics that I have covered previously on this podcast. Permits and neighbors. I don't know the situation between my friend and his neighbor, whether or not they've had other disputes or ongoing animosity or anything like that. So I don't know if reporting my friend to the municipality was fueled by some sort of personal vendetta. Maybe it was. Maybe his neighbor was watching out his window, tinting his fingers like Mr. Burns and saying, Excellent. I got you now. And calling the building department was his way of releasing the hounds. Maybe. Or maybe his neighbor had recently built a deck himself and had gone through all the proper channels and paid for his permit and dealt with the inspector. Maybe his neighbor had done everything above board and was irked by someone who thought the rules did not apply to them. Or, maybe his neighbor wanted to build something and was denied, and was of the mind that, if I can't do that, no one else should be able to either. Or, maybe his neighbor just had some concerns about the safety of my friend's structure, and voiced those concerns to the building department. (laughs) Yeah, right. That one's unlikely. Maybe his neighbor was just being a jerk. Maybe he gets a thrill by seeing someone else get in trouble. You know, that feeling you get when someone whizzes by you on the highway and you see them get pulled over by the cops. Their speeding doesn't really affect you, but it kind of enjoys seeing them get caught. Better them than me. Whatever the case, whatever the neighbor's motivation, it doesn't matter. What matters was my friend didn't pull a permit and his steps were not safe. Simple as that. So, let's focus on that for a minute, shall we? Permits are a hassle. It's my property, I can do what I want. Permits are nothing more than a money grab, right? 
That's the way most of us feel, isn't it? In my friend's case, he complained about the cost of the permit. No doubt there were other factors that came into play, but he seemed particularly upset by now having to pay $300 for a permit. So when he decided not to get a permit, he initially saved $300. Had he spent that money to begin with, he may have learned that his steps, as he planned them, were not going to be up to code before he actually built them. But because he saved $300, he now had to rebuild the steps. Throw in the value of his time and labor and probably more materials. And, well, the cheap comes out expensive. But let's examine what else saving that $300 could have cost him. The inspector could have ordered him to remove the entire deck. But fortunately, the rest of it must have been up to code and acceptable under the bylaws, so... (laughs) Lucky. But... More importantly, we know that his steps were not up to code. Now, codes are there for a reason. Safety. The steps weren't safe. My friend could have potentially injured himself on his own steps. And if that happened, what would that have cost him if he had to miss work? Or what would have happened if someone else was injured? Typically, they would be able to make a claim against the homeowner's insurance for... Lost wages, pain and suffering, medical bills, over and above what is covered by health insurance. But if that injury was the result of an illegal structure, the insurance company might not pay. And that would leave my friend on the hook for those expenses. And even if the insurance did pay out, they would no doubt raise his rates. Spending $300 for a permit? by comparison, is a bargain. The cheap, saving $300, could have potentially come out very expensive indeed. Nobody likes spending more money than they have to. We are always looking for ways to save a buck. Nothing wrong with that. But we need to be careful where we cut costs. It's a thin line between cutting costs and cutting corners. Cutting corners can cost you more in the long run because, say it with me, the cheap comes out expensive. And with that, I would like to thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast. The website is thumbandhammer.com. There, you will find a nifty little contact page where you can send me either a voicemail or an email. Any comments or suggestions are welcome. And you can also submit your home improvement questions that may be featured on the podcast in the future. But of course, I will try to get your answer directly to you as soon as I can, so you don't have to wait. So that will do it. I will be back soon with another episode. Until then... Cheers.